Welcome back or welcome to the Learn and Lab podcast. In this episode, we talk with Heath Evans. Heath is a marketing and communications strategist. He's an innovator, entrepreneur, and a coach. He has had a very successful and unique career, and he offers tons of solid recommendations and insights for us. Currently, Heath is the marketing communications manager at the Melbourne Accelerator Program, which is an extension of the University of Melbourne, Australia. He's responsible for the leadership and management of all aspects of marketing and communications. Before this, Heath was the project lead on Run India. This was a project with World Vision Australia in which he traversed India with professional ultramarathon runner Samantha Gash. Prior to that, he was the communications manager for the Australian Football League's Players Association. In our conversation, Heath does go into the daily work, but he really helps the listener understand the power of communication and empathy in one's career. Before we jump into the conversation, one quick ask. If you're enjoying the Learn Lab podcast, please rate it and share it on Apple iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get started. Here we are, Heath Evans. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. How you doing, man? Wonderful, Adam. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah, I'm so happy you're here. Thank you. Um, so, Heath, you're down in Melbourne, Australia, and um, it's an interesting, uh, you know, way to connect here with someone on Zoom uh, around the world and have a chat and hear your uh, perspective of. Uh, growing up and your choices you made uh, leaping into uh, university and career. Um, so why don't you paint a picture for us, uh, for the listeners, and, and what was it like for you um, in Melbourne or the, the surrounds where you uh, grew up and then later went uh, to school and career? Perfect. Well, I, I think the first thing that you've touched on there that I, I could never have dreamed of as a child was the opportunity to connect with someone on the other side of the world face-to-face through a computer and through a laptop computer. You know, I grew up um, on the outskirts of Melbourne in a, in a suburb called Dandenong. Um, for context, it's, a, I guess, a relatively lower socioeconomic area, a um, lot of single parents. I grew up in, in an incredible family and, and all of our friends were incredibly tired and I went to high school in a public school, but probably one of the most um, defining moments for me was I, I later changed to a, to a school where my mum taught. I come from a, a family of educators um, and upon changing schools, I, the new school I went to had the internet and it was the first time the internet uh, I'd been exposed to the internet and I remember uh, changing schools and there was one computer in the library that had this internet. And I went and I'd go at lunchtime and I'd sit on it and it probably wasn't as unique as some of the other students who'd been exposed to it. But to me, it was such a profound shift in the way I um, saw information. I, I couldn't understand how this computer, where it was drawing information from, and for me, um, yeah, I think reflecting, reflecting on, on my schooling, that was a really unique time, not only for the amount of information we were exposed to and the accessibility of it, but as time evolved, also how we built connections. And that was something that was um, really special for me. Um, I guess as a student, I was always a relatively capable student, but not necessarily um, the most committed. Um, I was pretty headstrong and, and had a pretty clear idea of 
where I wanted to go. And I think, um, you know, in my first school where most of my friends um, had been seeing school as a, as a pathway to get into a trade, um, you know, my second school, you know, I think being surrounded by people who um, had a clear plan that they were going to university um, really created an environment that, you know, probably had a big, big impact on me and helped me, um, you know, as years went on. Uh, I was always highly capable at sport, which mm-hmm. as a young child goes a long way. Um, and it probably, that was probably my, my major passion was um, being involved with sport, but I also, um, I guess, did humanities and other subjects. But, yeah, that was, I guess, a very quick picture of, of the type of student I was, capable but not necessarily, but also probably relatively challenging and disruptive and, and probably not not the favourite among some teachers. <laughs> That's all right. And you, you've uh, certainly um, created a, a lot, as a, as a young adult, um, seemingly from scratch, from, you know, an outsider looking in, it looks like you created some, some concepts and some work with the AFL, um, that's Australian football league, uh, players association. And, um, you've done some other things, uh, a project called run India, if I'm, if I'm correct. And so, you know, these things, um, where they, you know, maybe talk about some of those projects and what led you to those. Um, what were they right out of college, uh, excuse me, right out of high school or right out of college um, and, or university and, and what, you know, maybe drove you to university versus a trade uh, compared to your friends. Um, you know, kind of two questions there, but meeting you uh, either with either way you'd like to go with this. Sure. Well, I think the one thing actually that I've, I probably did mention as well was I, I was always a, a fairly entrepreneurial child as well and I wrote a piece as well about um it's really interesting I now work with entrepreneurs and and the question I always ask is what came first the the idea of the entrepreneur and generally you know people as they go back will kind of realize either they were driven by the idea or or they always wanted to be an entrepreneur and I think the other thing about being an entrepreneur is generally there's not a moment that kind of the penny drops and you, you feel comfortable saying you're an entrepreneur. You just do things and it's a, you know, a way of thinking as far as a way of being, as opposed right. to a way of being. Right. But it, but in high school, I remember the moment on reflection that I realised I was an entrepreneur was I began selling Coke cans in, at school because I realised the school was marking up Coke cans to $1.20. And I realised I could buy them for 50 cents and sell them for a dollar. And I basically created this, this small business where I would sell any soft drink you wanted as long as it was Coke for a dollar. And it went on and I, and I made my pocket money and I, you know, I did this kind of thing in high school. But I think even from that early age, I had this real, I guess, desire to, to think outside the box. And, and I carried that through into university and into my career ever since. And I guess I played the role of entrepreneur or entrepreneur along the way. Um, Nice. But in regards to your question around um, career path, I think the, the the reflection I have on high school, and I guess the message that I've that I've always um, lived by is don't close doors to possibilities. Because yeah, I I nearly did this. I in year ten I was doing mathematics. I I'd always thought I'd go on to do an arts degree in university. Um, I knew what it what I needed to achieve from a I guess, a, a score perspective and what subjects I needed to have done. 
And at that time in my life, mathematics to me was just, it was a, um, you know, I didn't see the immediate need to it. And frankly, I was ready to drop out of the class. And fortunately, um, I had some wonderful teachers who helped me through. You know, I again, they would have done it with me kicking and screaming. But it was later on um, when I was exposed to a public relations and marketing degree that one of the core requirements was year 10 maths. And had I not, had I closed that door three years later, I would never have been, I, I would never have had the, the opportunity to do that that program and the message that I've always driven home is when I was 13, I didn't know who I'd be when I was 16. And when I was 16, I didn't know who I would be when I was 19. And there was no way I could have seen the world through the eyes I, I, I was seeing them through when I was 19 at those early ages. Mm. And I think for any young person, the path of possibilities is always one of the strongest paths to go. And to close doors, whether they be relationships, whether they be opportunities, whether they be the chance to challenge yourself and see the world through a different perspective, um, you know, is one of the strongest messages I, I could send home. And for me, I've constantly um, sought those type of opportunities um, across different sectors to, to learn to see the world through a different perspective and learn to see work through a different perspective. Yeah, those are words of wisdom if I ever heard them. That's awesome. Good stuff. So, yeah, is that, a drop, is that a drop the mic moment? Not we're too early no. in, into the podcast. No, <laughs> I'm just teasing. So, so talk to me about some of these projects you started. Yeah, sure. And, so, and the marketing and the marketing degree. Yes, I did. I did a marketing and public relations degree. And uh, I guess straight out of uni, again, the, the thing that's happened throughout my career is there's always external factors that influence the next path you take. And right. upon finishing the univer university degree, the global financial crisis hit. And what that meant was immediately the opportunity to find a job became so much harder. So throughout university, you're constantly reiterated that these skills you're developing are, you know, world ready and everyone is going to be falling over themselves to, to, um, to bring you in. And immediately um, that, that stark reality hit home that that wasn't quite the case and I was going to need to be a little bit more creative. Um, for me as well, one game-changing decision was joining Twitter because at the time Twitter was really new and whilst most people saw Twitter as a pathway to promotion, for me I used Twitter as a way to observe and um, for me I, there were a number of people who became mentors for me through Twitter, but they didn't realise they were mentors. But I committed one, Trevor Young, who's, you know, a, a leader in the Australian and a trailblazer in Australian PR. He never knew this till later on, but I, I committed at that young age. I said to myself, I'm going to read every article he posts and every comment he does, I'm going to try and comment and chat with him. And I, I thought that is what I can do to see what it takes to be the best. And so... I think there's an incredible opportunity to access these brilliant global minds that never existed for generations past. You know, there were books and things like this, but there's a, a much more instantaneous way that young children have, or, or you know, students have a chance to do that now. Um, and through some of those relationships, it opened doors. And one of those doors was the AFL. Uh, 
I, I know when I was going through university, I, I did an internship and I, as a guy said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to work in the AFL. And he said, you'll never do it. Everyone wants to, um, which was pretty sobering. But I, I just worked and worked and worked and the door opened. I worked in the AFL Players Association with the greatest athletes in the country. And for four years, I had the chance to tell their stories. Uh, and work with them and, and tell the stories of them away from the field. And that was a dream job. Yeah. Um, and I, but I think again, the thing that I've realized is I, as a, as a person, once there comes a point where ultimately the challenge, I, I want new challenges and yeah, some people are happy to stay and do things and conquer them and then just keep conquering the same thing. But I, after four years in the AFL Players Association, I realised I wanted my next challenge. Uh, and I also didn't want to be pigeonholed into just doing sport. And so I jumped sectors and I joined uh, World Vision, which is the world's largest NGO. And I had a fascinating opportunity with an ultramarathon runner, Samantha Gash. Um, I caught up with her. She'd recently run across South Africa. Um, and she's just an extraordinary woman. And... I said, what do you want to do next? And she said, I'd love to run across India. And I said, okay. I said, but rather than just doing your typical celebrity run, why don't we run and explore some of the communities World Vision works with and explore the barriers to education? I knew she had a passion for education. And I said, by doing that, we can start to build empathy with people in the most remote communities and in a country of a billion people shine a light on individuals and give people have voice who've never had a voice before to tell their story. And anyway, somehow seen, yeah, sorry, go. Yeah, I was just saying what a great vision for that project, yeah. And it touched on this great challenge. Australia's a really removed country from the rest of the world. And one of the hard things is there's always within a charitable sense, this desire to support people in your own backyard. Mm-hmm. But what the internet enables is a chance to realise that we're, we're global citizens. We're part of everyone's in our backyard in a sense. And so what we tried to do was enable people to not only follow us on the journey, but we created a way that they could actually take part in the journey. So people could form teams and track their footsteps and track where Samantha was along the, along the run and track where they would be if they were doing it themselves and experience content and stories in real time. And so what we were able to do was challenge this idea that the barrier to education is infrastructure. So many people think building schools is the solution to education, but any student would know the barriers to education are so much stronger than just having the school. You know, this is what we see. And and some of those in those third world countries, India being an example, the barriers to education could be gender, they could be health, they could be access to clean water. They could be, um, you know, child protection, walking to school. These are all things in, in a Western context. We, many of these we take for granted. Um, but it was just the most extraordinary um, project. And over 73 days, she ran 3,500 kilometres. And, um, you know, we, we, we partnered with Nike, Red Bull, um, Lululemon, huge partners. And um, But I think what I was most proud of was, seeing allowing people to tell their own story for the first time and allowing people to see how their generosity could change these lives so I guess that was the next step in my journey and I think probably again the lesson that I've learned from that is I thought 
by doing that project, I would be ready for, once I did that, I thought now I'll be ready. I'll be ready to do anything. And this sense of accomplishment will, would really sink in. But I think the other thing you learn as you go further in your career is you're never ready and you're always ready. Right. That this moment of um, this epiphany or this moment where all of a sudden you realize that you've reached this pinnacle of achievement and that you're, um, you know, that you, you've reached, I don't know, like these the sort of natural states of leader, guru, et cetera, that none of this exists. You're mm-hmm. always going to have imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. You're always going to feel um, like you, you're stepping too far out of your comfort zone. Um, you're always going to feel like other people are more capable. I, I, a guy once said to me, and I was admiring, actually, I just I met this guy during the old MBA. He said, I always undervalue myself. He said, if I see someone else, I always put their skills on a pedestal and think that they are the, you know, the greatest thing ever. He said, but when I have a skill, I always underplay it and assume everyone else has it. And he said, you know, I've really learned that I, I undermine and undervalue what I'm capable of. And I think that's, um, that's one of the things that's really hard to grapple with. But one of the things that really hit home to me was the idea of constantly comparing yourself to someone else and playing the finite game and thinking the goal of doing these things or the objective of doing these challenges is the outcome mm-hmm. is always going to be a trap. Um, and I think that probably leads into where I am now, which is in, I, I work at a startup accelerator, which is um, working with some of the most brilliant minds in the country. Uh, it's a startup accelerator connected to the university of Melbourne. And, you know, I'm surrounded by people who are all, far more intelligent than me solving problems that you know global problems that are just quite extraordinary but I think one of the traps traps for entrepreneurs is they always or they often think that the goal of entrepreneurship is the outcome is the raising money is selling the company solving the problem but I think those entrepreneurs have made it and have sold their company always come back and do it again because what they've realized is the goal isn't the millions of dollars. The goal is the journey and, and doing the entrepreneurship and solving the problems and, and tackling new things and pushing themselves. And I think that's where for many students, they can get in this trap of thinking that the goal of the goal of school, the goal of university is to finish university and lose sight of the journey and the opportunity that's right, right in front of them and actually um, see how they can play around the edges and, and test it and see what they're capable of rather than what I see often now is the goal is how can they shortcut to the outcome? How can they do less? How can they hack the system? How can they um, pay less and, and achieve more? How can they take more than they can give? And I think um, the older you are and, and the more you're exposed to wise people who have been there, the more you realise that um we're in an incredible age of opportunity that's moving faster than ever. And one of the greatest gifts anyone can have is the chance to sit back and take perspective and, and soak in what they're doing right now and, um, and, and focus on doing a few things and a few things well. Wow. Yeah. Those are, well, first amazing, amazing uh, lineage of your story and career path. And it's like, um, y- 
so many good points are, are made there. And I guess if I can maybe highlight a couple that maybe resonate, um, or I like the like underscore for the listener or, you know, the, the concept of connecting through social media in, in a way that is, um, through, uh, the, for the, for the purpose of learning and, uh, creating value for someone else or, um, simply, you know, reaching out in such a way that's respectful, but, but to build connection. And I mean, you certainly saw that in Twitter or, you know, it could have been another platform, which, you know, could change in five years, you know, but that's the value of, um, you know, democratizing access to information through the internet. And I think, um, you know, the more people that can move beyond, um, tweeting about their complaints or, you know, uh, things that don't add value, um, you know, the, the more robust that network will become any network, not just Twitter, but, you know, the power of connection for creating positivity. Um, the other is just the fact that, you know, the, the concept of the run was not just like you said, to run just to run across the, a massive distance. It was about building empathy and understanding, uh, the, the people of the communities and what their challenges are and with access to education. And I think that's, you know, a, a huge, uh, value in the story you told there and educating, um, the millions and millions of people that followed along on that story and the 200,000, uh, plus thousand, you know, dollars that were raised in support of it. Um, you know, just, you can just tell that you, the work you do just exudes value and for, for others beyond yourself, you know, and that's, so I'm honored to sit here with you right now. You know, it's just, it's just so good, you know, and, and then hearing that connection, like come full circle and working with the entrepreneurs that you work with today. I mean, that's just, um, recognizing that, you know, it isn't about making a product, a, a thing or whatever it may be to then just, sell and sure that might happen for people. And that's, that is great. But if you can see beyond that and be in it for the infinite game, the long game, and it's the journey, that's the value. And that's usually where the best entrepreneurs, um, you know, shine is because they'll, they'll start so many things or they're sex successful for, for so many things and continue starting so many. It's because they love the process of, um, solving problems and adding value for someone, um, or a community. And I think that's, um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're in an amazing role right now and and had other amazing roles as well. And and to that end, I think you echo the, um, or embody, excuse me, the, the entrepreneurial mindset, like you said, when you were younger, you know, I mean, it's it's certain certainly evident because you, you know, don't necessarily um, uh, stay in something for the sake of staying in it. You don't seem like a complacent person and you don't, um, move on to something just for sake of moving on grass is greener or, you know, you, you've made, uh, seems to be very selective choices in your career path, which is, which is amazing. Um, you know, because it's rooted in your values, which is, uh, certainly shines through great work, Keith. No, thank you. And, and I think that's, that, that selectiveness is something that I, I really, have pride of myself on that idea of being intentional about what you do yeah. and take and taking on projects that matter because it's so much like I'm someone who works 
extremely hard. I come from a family of extremely hard workers. But for me, this idea of work life has always blurred. And for me, for me, work has given me a chance to, to live out passions and to make yeah. make change. And I think that's, um, you know, I, I absolutely love taking on challenges and helping others. Yeah. And, and I think the connection piece for me is really critical. I think so many people talk about storytelling. Yeah. And they talk about um, having a, a brand and a social profile and all of these things. And I think a lot of people hold themselves back because they think it all needs to be perfect and they don't use social media because they don't know how, they don't have the perfectly crafted message or they don't have the perfectly crafted um, brand commercial or brand video or, and things like this. But I think the biggest misconception about storytelling is that it's all about the telling. It's all an outward push. Whereas what I think the best storytellers do is listen. And they understand the story the other person is telling themselves and they understand how the other person sees the world and they're able to, to use story as a way to convey who they are and what they stand for to that person to build connection. And I think that's where for me, um, you know, I've, whether it be through, through blogging, which I've taken up recently, um, through to connection on social media, all of these things come down to this sense of putting yourself out there making those connections and doing it from a place of generosity and doing it from a place of honesty and consistency and showing up. And I think, you know, very clearly what held me back for years from creating an online, I, I was very comfortable speaking, sharing my ideas, but what held me back from, from blogging was this fear of what if I change my mind? Mm. What if I evolve? What if I look back and realize that I, I said something and now I realize how stupid I looked. And then that, was a crippling effect but then what I found is actually once I shared my ideas I was amazed with how much um how generous people were in their feedback I also realized how much content I was taking from others and consuming and not giving back mm. I thought how many articles do I read a day and how many do I contribute completely disproportionate um but I think the other thing as well when when you know if I was a young person thinking about, you know, how to plant a seed today that's going to grow in value. I think having your own website or having using a platform like Medium and sharing your thoughts is not only powerful for you in articulating who you are and how you might go beyond just someone who shares content but actually puts their own spin on it, but it's amazing as well as humans how we group people into, um, group people into, into categories to help us determine who they are and how we how we interpret them. And I found once I started blogging, I went from the guy who's on social media who does marketing and PR and has done interesting things to the guy who's on social media who's done interesting things and also writes about them and has his own blogging profile. And immediately I was grouped in with these other people who I idolised. But it's this really interesting human um I guess practice where we've got so much information and there's so many people out there that we, we immediately sort of go, Oh, he's one of those guys. Okay. I, I, I now will interpret and engage with him differently. And the other thing about blogging that I found was I was treating blogging like a book I publish it. And that's, that's a full stop. And what I didn't realize was actually blogging for me was the start of the conversation mm-hmm. and I would share my ideas and someone else would challenge them or they would build upon them, or they would write something themselves and actually 
this was part, this was in the same way as a conversation that, you know, it wasn't about being right. It was about this is how I see the world today and how I see it might change and, and that might be a good thing. And um, I guess that vulnerability and courage is really respected by, by others. And I, I think, um, you know, this is, for, this is um, an opportunity that's easily taken for granted. And as I mentioned, when I, when I went to high school and, and was exposed to the internet, the notion that I could add my own page on the internet and my own perspective and allow the world to engage with me was something so foreign and so, you know, I, I guess they say Wi-Fi was sci-fi 15 years ago. Well, the, the notion that this was possible was sci-fi to me and the fact that, you know, a, a child of any age can create their own page and, and put their voice out into the world is just something that I think is an extraordinary opportunity not to be missed. Yeah, it's uh, it's... I've heard it referred to by the author Austin Cleon is uh, show your work. Um, and, and also, you know, it's just that mindset of being able to um, share your journey, share your thinking out loud, so to speak um, with, with everyone. And then, like you said, it leads to dialogue with others. And in some cases with the um, people of highest uh, esteem or regard in the, in their industry, which is, you know, the value of, the internet and being able to connect. So to segue a bit, um, at the Melbourne accelerator, um, you, you do a lot of work with entrepreneurs. What, what is some of that work look like to paint a picture of what your day or what your week might look like? What, what's that kind of work entail? I, you know, I mean, it comes up, um, you know, you said it, you referenced it, I think once or twice, but you've said it in other ways, you know, empathy is probably one of the biggest skills that you, um, employ every, every single day. Um, and I imagine design thinking as well and working with, with, uh, people to, you know, craft their plan or, or their product as well. So, so what's that work look like to give a picture of for the listener, what, what it really entails? So to give some context of the Melbourne Accelerator program, it's, it was the first startup accelerator in Australia. It's now supported over 100 startups. Wow. We've raised over $70 million in funding, over $100 million in revenue, and created over 1,000 jobs. Wow. And to give that, I guess, additional context, obviously Australia, as far as geographical uh, or, or, you know, a population compared to other countries is, you know, far, far smaller. So these are absolutely, um, you know, some of the most um, exciting emerging entrepreneurial talent in the country and includes um, people who've been part of the Forbes 30 Under 30, Fulbright Scholars. Um, and I'll even give some quick context on some of the companies actually as well, which I think That's will be helpful. A company, CNS Dose, uh, actually one of their founders, Harris Air, is based out of the, the Texas Medical Center, but they've worked out how to use DNA to help people, help medical professional, uh, professionals predict what antidepressant might be most applicable to yeah, wow. um, consumers, and they've expanded that onto other products. A company, AccuCensus, um, I sit right next to Alex at AccuCensus, they, he's created world-first um, safety um, cameras that detect drivers uh, distracted by their mobile phone. Wow. Um, 
We've had other companies, Neura headphones, they worked out that everyone's hearing is unique. Um, and they've created headphones that basically attune to everyone's unique hearing. Um, they, these are these are absolutely yeah. Sorry, I was going to say cutting edge. Like they're literally cutting edge technologies and businesses that these organizations are building. I put, absolutely I'm putting words in your mouth, but I, I felt like that's what you might be saying. It's like holy cow. Yeah, and I think the thing is though. When you're working with people who are so brilliant as well, they've always, their whole lives, they've been brilliant. So that notion of perspective is really challenging. So my role as the marketing communications manager is to help these people tell tell their stories. Yeah. And realise where there are stories. Because when you've lived your life being brilliant, some of these achievements or some of these moments don't seem as extraordinary. You know, as we've just spoken about there, these breakthroughs are, you know, incredible and and so part of my role is saying is also helping them see the startup world is moves so fast and achievements and progress can be so fleeting because you you're constantly on to the next moment you know right and and so my role is working with those hundred startups to understand where they're at what they're doing and who might be interested in helping them tell their story and how we can tell this story in various ways. So that's one part of my role. And, you know, an incredibly exciting part of, part of my role and rewarding because it also means that every time we tell their, their story and connect them to a new audience, or it might mean that they get to progress further as a business. And because yeah. of what they're doing is having such an impact, that obviously has a, has a great social impact. So that's one part of my role. Wow. The other part of my role that's really interesting is it's a really interesting intersection of university and startup because quite often universities, um, you know, are known for particularly, you know, the University of Melbourne's, you know, the most prestigious university in Australia, a hundred year institution, the startup speed and startup uh, mindset doesn't necessarily lend to the typical environment. So we sit, I guess, on the edge of the university and really, with one foot deep in the startup ecosystem. So a lot of what we do is helping build and foster a culture of entrepreneurship around not only students of the university, but also staff and the community that surrounds it. And so I help put on events. I also help um, communicate some of what these startups and start some of these individuals are achieving into the university. Right, so right. they get a great greater sense around why having an entrepreneurial arm, an entrepreneurial um, centre within the university is such a critical skill. Yeah. And also for students enter, leaving university into the modern world, having entrepreneurial skills, not only to create entrepreneurial business, but an entrepreneurial mindset. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, you know, you touched on some of those skills, design thinking, empathy, um, you know, even the ability to know how to, I guess one of the greatest skills that I feel that I've picked up as a professional is the, is knowing how to bring order to chaos and chaos to order. And I think so many students or so many professionals only know how to go one way. They either know how to disrupt or they know how to create order. And the greatest skill that I think I've developed over years and I think that any student and any entrepreneur can do is know how to go both ways, how to know how to disrupt um, systems or things where disruption is possible and how to bring order to things where there's absolute chaos. And I think um, that's one of the interesting jobs that I have is 
is helping, um, I guess, people interested in entrepreneurship to recognise when to go either way and then how to tell the story about how they're achieving that. That's awesome. I mean, marketing itself is like such a big industry in the sense of, you know, you could learn it um, and get a degree and come out as a marketer. And, um, but then if you're in the entrepreneurial or startup space, the, uh, I mean, the, it, it just changes so fast. So, I mean, you have to have a good grounding, I would think in um, the concept of storytelling and design thinking and the, really understand what marketing is for versus, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I've heard some things and I'm not a marketer, you know, so I, I you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I feel like I've heard concepts that it isn't something you necessarily, um, you know, a, a degree will necessarily, uh, it could get you in the door, but it's not necessarily something you're going to be, um, like you, you have your textbook answers, like the, the solutions for marketing are, have been changing so rapidly that if, if you had a degree four years ago, you wouldn't necessarily be able to put those skills in place unless you really truly understood what marketing is about and totally correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> so the biggest, the biggest mistake I see um, with so many people and so many ages is an obsession with the how rather than the why. Hmm. And so, so much of what people are trying to learn is how do I solve my problem today? How do I solve? And, and, and so Clay Christensen speaks about, you know, about this sort of idea of if you can understand the why, if you can understand why people respond in a certain way or, or why this happens, the how will change. The, the solution will change. The solution is so often the how is based on, it can be based on what platform to use, what technology to use. But if you understand the why, you can start to take a, a much, um, you know, you can you can take yourself away and see a different type of solution. You know, they, I guess the, the example of, of cars, you know, um, Ford says, if I'd ask people, um, you know, what they wanted, they'd say a faster horse. But actually, you know, the car needed to understand the problem and, and the why and what was going on to actually solve it. And I think that there's a really, really um, wonderful video that, that has um, Gary Vaynerchuk and Seth Godin talking about marketing. And for me, they are both extremes of the modern marketing. Gary is very much hustle, tactics, um, immediate results. Seth, much more strategy, positioning, longer term and I you know sit very much in in the set camp of of building things and I think it's one trap that that early stage entrepreneurs certainly fall into is only wanting to do marketing to achieve sales and immediate results and and mm. not having the patience to to build things and put a line in the sand mm. and I think a lot of marketers fall into this trap of being you know I think we've got access to more data than we've ever had before um, they fall into this sort of um, data obsessed, funnel obsessed, short-term solution um, um, focus, as opposed to to much longer term, doing things that matter, doing things that that shift the needle. And I think um, you know, for any for any marketer, that's um, a really 
you know, it, it's great to understand um, the data and to understand the, the opportunity for the internet to reach every everyone, but the best marketers I've ever come across understand that what the internet enables and the real value of it is not to reach everyone, but actually to help find niche communities and mm. actually find groups of people who've formed and found other people like them and actually understand what it is they're trying to achieve and serve them solutions. So I think there's, um, you know, there, marketers are in an incredible position. When I went through university, my you touched on textbooks. The the What I analysed were case studies from 20 years ago. Mm. You know, the ability for, for marketers and PR professionals to observe real-time problems right now and contribute their own thoughts and test their own thoughts is, is really phenomenal. But... Um, yeah, you cut out a little bit there. I had trouble hearing a, a bit more of your question, but hopefully that touches on, I guess, where I see, um, you know, marketers or, or where I probably sit in the marketing camp is much more around, um, you know, longer-term strategy, building great, and you know, focusing on building great products rather than focusing on, on the numbers and focusing mm-hmm. on, um, you know, the short-term outcomes. I'm, I, I guess... I may be a bit more idealistic in that sense, but I, I for me, um, the, the real excitement comes in, in those those things that actually shift who you are and what you stand for. Yeah, good, great, great stuff there. Good comparisons too. Um, you dropped a couple, uh, you know, names. You dropped Seth and and um, Gary Vaynerchuk and Clay Christensen. So, speaking of people that talk about marketing and write about it. Um, to start to close us out, you know, what, what book would you, or books would you recommend someone interested in marketing today to jump into, to really get a, maybe start to learn uh, about the foundations of it? Sure. So obviously I'm an enormous Seth Godin fan. I think his ability to take extremely complex ideas and, and, bring them down into really digestible um, anecdotes is something that, um, and in really short consumable anecdotes is, you know, really underestimated. And his new book, This Is Marketing, I think is a wonderful um, immediate foundation. I'm a huge fan of the guys at Strategizer um, <clears throat> who do business model generation and value proposition canvas. I think those tools are extremely powerful to understand um, how marketing fits into the biggest into the bigger um, business model and how to design things. I think that's that's a real skill. Um, James P. Cast, Infinite and Finite Games, I think, is a mindset book. Is you know extremely good to um, set your thinking in regards to understanding what game you're playing and understanding what outcome you're looking for. Um, I'm trying to think some of the other books for me that are. That are really interesting. Um, you know, some of the ones tipping points are really interesting. One, um, I'm just going to just shift my head and look at my bookshelf. There's so many um, ones that I think can make a difference. I think one actually that probably people will overlook. And again, there's a book called Sapiens that looks at the history of um, humanity. And the reason I say as a marketer this is really critical is to understand that. So much of marketing, if, if you can understand how humans have evolved and those sort of innate um, 
I guess why we are the way we are. It really helps you understand and and understand why humans respond the way they do to things. So I guess I I think too often people think marketing is just focused down to those sort of immediate solutions, whether they be um, yeah how to do things now. But I, I think there is understanding humans as a whole is is probably an undervalued thing, and we see more and more. There's a lot of um, people coming into marketing who have psychology backgrounds, and I think mm-hmm. that's a really, really interesting mix. Yeah. And if I could go, if I could go back and study again, I'd probably think about um, exploring that in a much deeper way. Yeah, good stuff. So those are the, the I'll make sure I get those uh, links in the show notes to all those books. So the last question that we usually uh, wrap up with is, what homework assignment or project would you assign? to a, a student of, uh, you know, general age band, you know, late high school to early college, what, what, to, to get a sense of the work you do today. What, um, you know, so we got a few of these books, um, you know, what, what might someone do? And I think, you know, the listener could pull from, all right, you know, reach out on Twitter, use Twitter effectively to make connections, um, you know, maybe show their work, put a blog out, put a page out um, about their, their work they're doing about themselves um, but maybe something more specific or even around all of those topics, what would you, uh, what would you recommend as a assignment or a project? Sure. I think the one thing that I, um, the one principle that I kind of sat with when I set up Twitter was to say, I'm going to sit on this for three years and I'm going to build value for other people. I'm going to share their content. I'm going to build their relationships. I'm not going to ask for anything in return. And I think one of the the traps that people fall into is they only reach out or build things at a time when they need something in return. Mm. And they they haven't got the chips in their corner. They haven't planted the seeds to prepare to, and and they they try and rush to the outcome. So look, you've got time, you've got time. One of the greatest exercises I did this year, which actually taught me probably more about entrepreneurship than anything else was I planted a vegetable garden. Mm. Now, the reason that was so interesting is all the principles that I apply in business, I didn't apply to the vegetable garden. I did no research. I saw a piece of dirt and there was nothing growing in that piece. And I thought, wonderful, okay, I'm going to plant the vegetables here. This makes sense. What a spot. In business, I would know there's probably a reason nothing's growing here. Either the opportunity is not as good as it seems. But anyway, I planted it. Then I wanted it to grow the next day. I was frustrated. Why isn't this growing? So then I started to want to take shortcuts. Okay, who can give me some fertilizer? Who can give me something to make this grow? Because I want this tomorrow. (laughs) But what I learned was by the exercise of planting a vegetable garden was it takes time. It takes patience. Doing the research up front has huge value because had I done that, I would have planted somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But the only way to learn it was to do it. And so eventually, you know, months later, these vegetables came up and I loved seeing the progress, but it took time. And I think I would give that same advice to any student to say, pick a platform, plant a seed, explore it, learn what you can. Don't do it looking to take the next day or find someone else who's planting a vegetable garden. And that is, you know, obviously a metaphor in this case, but find someone who's trying to grow something and show them and help them grow it and show them the value you can provide. The posture so many people take to social media is, 
I can't do it because I don't have anything to say. Mm. But I think what becomes interesting for anyone trying to prove their worth is to go, the value I bring is how I can help you grow something or how I can help you build something or how I can help you see something in a different way. So I guess the project that I would set for someone is explore different platforms, explore different people who you want to learn from and find a way that you can add value to them in their life. And I saw this, I had a job going when I was in the AFL. I had two people I knew might be interested and it was an unpaid job. And I said to to the first one, I said, hey, would you like this opportunity? I know you're trying to break into the industry. And she said, how much does it pay? And I can't come in, you know, for three weeks. And I said, okay. And the other said, I'll start tomorrow. And he said, I, I don't care about the money. I'll start tomorrow. He's now the head of social media for the AFL. He's in an unbelievable job. And he has also hired people under him who have that same um, tenacity in that sense of, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to jump into this and I'm going to find my way along. So I think, you know, taking that that posture of possibility, it, it should be the first focus rather than the posture of what's in it for me. Um, so, That's amazing. Yeah. That's so good. And, and I think you have a blog post on what you did with the vegetable garden. So I'll be sure to share that and link that. Um, lot a lot here uh heath and so good um any links that we should uh point to and i love that project too it makes perfect sense with what you shared and connecting to all the work you've done um any other links uh besides your own uh website heathevans.com.au um any else any other place we should uh send our listeners to get in touch with you well, uh, I think the first thing I would say as well is if any listeners want to discuss this further, like my LinkedIn's the easiest way to connect with me. And, you know, I, I've had incredible mentors and generous people along the way, and I'm committed to helping anyone I can. So, yeah, my LinkedIn would be a place. I also have a side business, funnily enough, that does sports cards for children. So yep. um, it's called futuretalent.com.au. Um, and that's been a childhood dream of mine, of mine as well. I always wanted to be an elite athlete. And when I realized I couldn't be, I created a way that I could create my own sports cards and other people can too. So any of those ways people can connect with me, but look, the main thing is reach out. And um, if I can help anyone in any way, I I always will. Heath, this has been super fun and your story is amazing and you've done some amazing work and projects and we know you're going to keep doing that. So I'm looking forward to following your story and your path and seeing where you uh, keep going and making change. Thanks for joining us today. This is a, this has been really fun. Thanks so much, Adam. I loved it. And I hope, um, you know, some people get some value out of it. I'm sure they will.